are listening to Working Our Roots podcast, hosted by the Geechee Gal Grio, Sarah McKeeva. This podcast explores the abundance and complexity of Southern Black and Afro-diasporic experiences, lineages, movement, ancestry, magic, resourcefulness, the erotic, and healing. A play between root work, working roots, and the gifts we become present to and receive when we center, tend to, cultivate, and work our ancestral, personal, and communal roots. What's actually at the root of who we are. Through Afrofuturist, womanist, and black feminist and queer lenses, we will tap into spirituality, creativity, joy, healing, pleasure, desire, magic, time travel, nonlinear time, survival tools, ancestral veneration, intergenerational and interdimensional communication and healing, embodied technology, Afrogenics, and the portal that is the Black South. It's going to be a lot. Uh, This episode is largely me, and throughout the podcast, it'll be me talking about all of the above and whatever else tickles my fancy um, by myself and in conversation with other brilliant, passionate, creative people with whom I am just really grateful to be alive uh, at the same time. This episode, episode one, was recorded over two years in three different locations. And as you'll notice, it was recorded both before and after starting a PhD program and consists of me trying to make sense of shit that don't make any sense at all and ultimately choosing to celebrate everything that actually does make sense. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy episode one. Quick note. It is my desire and intention for this to be an intergenerational and communal space. And so I just wanted to let y'all know that I be cussing a lot. Yeah, I just wanted y'all to know up front. Thank you for being here. So real quick, because this download just came in as I was thinking and reflecting on just, oh my God just the rage that I felt my first week of residency in the PhD program there was like a disillusionment in fact I described it particularly on the last day like I felt like I was in hell um just like the level of cognitive dissonance and um yeah projections and sort of all the things that have to be assumed to preserve white people's um (laughs) sense of self and men's all the people who believe they're men um but to preserve their senses of selves all all every all the cuts everybody got to take everybody else got to take to preserve those things and so I was kind of blown away and exhausted and even a bit resentful um I think that valid resentment in that just we've we're being required in more than one class at the PhD level to engage the Western origins of whatever discipline or subject, um, which is so weird and basic to me. And like, what? How could we still be pretending that Western or white or male is the center 
why how on earth could we still be engaging that pretending to engage that objectively particularly in the year of our lord with an e 2021 um with the with the with the rise of fascism and the the final hurrah of western white and male supremacy because patriarchy um is on its final hurrah as well um but uh yeah so the mind fuck and then like I had on my Octavia Butler tried to tell us hoodie that mommy got me and I was getting a lot of compliments on it on Zoom and then kind of blown away to realize that the majority of folks didn't actually know who Octavia Butler was or like what my what the hoodie was even referring to in terms of Octavia Butler trying to um trying to tell us and so then I like started getting angry like what the fuck like how are we at this level and y'all don't know who um who she is and if we centered black women you know if we centered the margins then all all of this shit would just cease to exist anyway but y'all out here quote in 1984 and shit like octavia butler called this moment right now and gave us all the tools and all the all the perspective to to, to make different choices so anyway i was rageful and um i was talking to my dad uh and essentially he was like it sounds like you're really upset that these people don't know what you know and i'm like whoa 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 you know don't be trying to like rationalize (laughs) my righteous rage yeah i'm mad that at the phd level i know things that they don't know so that's the piece right there i feel like when i can sit with myself and when i can listen listen to folks who love me and who who hold space for my feelings i can't recognize how much i had to build myself up to believe that i was worthy enough to apply for a phd program um that alone just that by itself that the 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 armor the 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 shit that i had to unlearn the lies that i had to unpack the insecurities that i had to that I had to silence or or really face to to be like, I want to learn at this level. And in particular, because I know exactly why I'm there, I want access to the resources that are behind the paywall of the institution. I have no desire to work within the institution. I have no desire to be a quote-unquote academic or to teach in, in, in that space or in that way. And I have um, so many possibility models of people both working within and without, but particularly those working outside of um, very much education for liberation and make 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 what will get us free accessible to everyone. So I know that, but the whole big thing of like, I've done it and I, I am smart enough to be here with everybody. And yeah, the like, I wouldn't even say I had so much of a sense like I have to be I have to work twice as hard to be just as good and this is a a more quote unquote diverse in quotations um program and I say in quotations I mean like at least in terms of personal identities <laughs> like the people who are there are not are not all the same race, are not all the same ethnicity, are not all the same gender, you know, are not all the same faith, are not all the same, don't don't have the same types of bodies, um, yeah, aren't from the same countries, all those things. Uh, but anyway, 
yeah, there was a sense, certainly not not that I had to weed work twice as hard to get there, but like, you know, to apply to a PhD level, like I didn't do well in undergrad at all. And I've had to work through that trauma and that shame of like, it doesn't mean anything. And I mean, I guess I could sit here and tell you all the things that it did mean, like all the reasons I was failing, all the reasons I couldn't make it to class, but was still like running organizations and trying to trying to make myself matter to myself um, while I felt like shit at this at this white supremacist liberal arts school that had only been integrated for 40 years. But anyhow, yeah, there was that the sense that like I had built myself up and now I'm here and where there's all these brilliant people and like what y'all don't even know what the fuck I know and not on some shit like and you know what is x squared minus whatever not not on some rocket science not on some not on <laughs> you know dig to the core of the earth and then you'll get the aluminum none, none of that just like capitalism necessitates poverty and it will destroy the planet patriarchy is a pathological insecurity and this sense that your physical will that that yeah that your penis as a cis man somehow gives you the right to impose your will or domination on anyone else on any other land on any other living thing that's a problem we have all the evidence of that like that shit is groundbreaking and um Even as I'm working it out loud, I'm like, of course the fuck it is. Of course it is. None of this shit, none of this shit could exist if we were acknowledging basic truths like that. If we were acknowledging how everything that has life disputes and disproves patriarchy and capitalism and um, white supremacy and Western supremacy, uh everything that has life disputes it certainly many a human for the function and perpetuation of all these systems have learned and internalized and been conditioned to to support and prove and defend um and continue to perpetuate and believe in these systems of oppression believe that these are the only ways to be but all that said of course at the phd level <laughs> at an institution that I had to say got a loan for because I don't have, you know, $87,000 just chilling around for an education that I'm worthy of. Uh, of course, they can't be talking about how capitalism necessitates poverty. You know, of course, the majority of folks are there to get jobs in this assist in this in this system in the institution so so they can survive capitalism that we have been so conditioned that we can't imagine outside of and so yeah i'm sitting with that yeah and then my daddy was just like you're upset it sounds like you're upset that people don't know what you know and um, there are all these reasons that you know what you know and that they don't know and you can teach them if you want or you don't have to. And I, at the point when I was venting to him and I had been on like a vent, a vent spree, I just needed to externalize how much of a mind fuck <laughs> a big part of residency was. But, um, so I was like, nah, I ain't teaching them shit. 
ain't wasting, I ain't giving nobody my energy, nobody my time. Um, and it was, it was a lot of gaslighting shit that took place. It was a lot of, you know, another thing just aside, maybe, I don't know, but like, because of the pandemic, I haven't been around really any white people or any men that aren't my family in almost a year and so that alone is its own energetic uh <laughs> its own energetic thing perhaps depletion if folks aren't if folks aren't self-aware if folks are interrogating their shit and lies they've internalized but um that aside I was very much like no I thought we were all participating I thought we were all showing up as ourselves and then it's like no it sort of feels like I'm doing some what felt saying some base what feels like basic shit to me but it's it's causing me to be very emotional when folks are responding like it's an opinion or you know well let's see let's see the other side of how of how of how starvation and poverty and subjugation can empower people to stick it to the man that type of shit kind of blew me but the next day when I was journaling or maybe even that same night I was journaling I was talking to my ancestor Dr. Consuela Francis and I was listening I was talking with her that's what I should say and um yeah man I just (laughs) there's just so much space for grace man there's so much space for grace and Mm, that rage is real that rage is important that rage is warranted I cannot sustain it I cannot and I was thinking about all the people who have poured into me and have taught me things and have shown me things and like all of my analysis which is just rooted in my my lived experience you know but also like rooted in books I've read and people who have actually taken the time to share ideas and sacred texts and analysis with me. Oh. Think about Dr. Consuela Francis. Um, and she is who introduced me to Octavia Butler. I think it was my sophomore year of college. And it's not even like when she assigned it. And it, I think we only read Parable of the Sower. It's not like when she assigned it, she was like, hello, class, I'm giving you a sacred text that you will need to use to survive the heinous days ahead. Um, it wasn't like that. Uh, and I'm thinking, it makes me emotional now. I'm like, what if Consuela had been like, these motherfuckers ain't never heard about Octavia Butler. Fuck them. <laughs> you know, and it's not it's not comparable in that she's the professor uh and that may you know, that sounds like a, maybe a sillier perspective to have for your students whereas for me I very much felt like my professors and faculty they were folks at the PhD level who don't know who this is, who don't know the sacred text, who don't know that Octavia Butler prophesies everything we're experiencing right now. But at at the same tone, like if I if I if I were to take away the 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 hierarchy, this idea that there are some people that know more based on whatever, and that there are some people who are less than based on what they know, 
It's the same type of shit. Because Swayla could have very much been like, these motherfuckers, these kids came to this school and they think they know what's going on and they don't know. And I'm sitting here trying to survive and get tenure and these motherfuckers don't even know Octavia Butler. And and it's just like, this is how we get free. Uh... One of my major inspirations and possibility models is Sister Dr. Alexis Pauline Gums. And a friend of mine was saying that like 10 years ago, uh, she, Alexis was inviting folks to her house for like Octavia Butler readings. And like, if you know Alexis and you know um, a partner, Shango Dara, and just know their work and their commitment, you know that. Yeah, they believe, and uh, they believe, they believe, they believe in black feminism, they believe in us, and um, they believe in getting getting the truth out to us, and they believe in our healing and our wellness and our seeing that we have, we have the answers, and the answers are in our love and in our practice and in our reflection and how we choose to show up and and what we unlearn and the the rituals that 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 these that these days are called for and i'm thinking you know she was like okay i know about this how i'm gonna let other people know (laughs) what do i have at my disposal and like what if she what if she had been like these niggas don't know about i'd be wells (laughs) These niggas don't know about Fannie Lou Hamer. Fuck them. You know, when you remove and you unlearn that internalized hierarchical shit. And when you sit with like, because my experience of all the ways that I had to build myself up to believe that I was smart enough to be here, that I was capable enough to learn at this level. And so then, yeah, the like sense of disorientation. I don't know if that's the right word. That's like, um, what? So, everybody at this level is not just, I don't know, solving brain cancer. I mean, we're in a humanities program, but, like, really, like, that. And, like, well, that aside, what is the commitment? What is the desire? What is the dream? What is the vision? The vision is our wellness. The vision is our freedom. The vision is the dismantling of all systems of oppression. The vision is that black women are inherently valuable and we know. And the vision, like Alexis and Shango Dares taught us and uh, the black feminist breathing chorus, as Lucille Clifton said, we have always loved each other, children. Pass it on. And so what does it look like to pass on that love? It looks like sharing the things that we have learned from other people. It looks like unlearning that hierarchy and unlearning all those ideas around worth and mattering that say it's about what you know or what you can do or, uh, you know, what you can produce. It's like, okay, if we're all, if we all matter, and I know something you don't know, and you know something that I don't know. Let's let's share it. And then, of course, there's tons of wisdom that comes in, like, you know, don't cast your, your pearls to swine, and don't speak your truth, don't share your vulnerability with people who are not safe to do that with people who aren't who aren't dealing with their shit. It's not it's not 
a commitment my commitment to my soft and open heart is not a commitment to subjugation is not a commitment to violence is not a commitment to martyring or sacrificing myself or believing that there's something that I can do to change someone else's behavior um but the commitment that the Combi River Collective made, the commitment that whew, black people, black and indigenous people, that black queer people, that black femmes, uh, black people who are impacted <laughs> and subjugated by patriarchy and um, rigid gender norms, and then I, I feel like you hear me struggling, trying to find a clearer way to say that my work centers everybody that's not, like, cis men. But then, like, the truth is, if I'm like, my work centers everyone who is impacted, every black person who's impacted by patriarchy, that's that's absolutely all of us. Um, but that's an aside. Whew. I feel like this got a little off topic. But the reason I even started and wanted to record this is because I was thinking about, yeah, some of the shit, just how much I love citing black women. And I was thinking that in undergrad, I hated bibliographies. I hated work cited. I really felt like, I can't we just, you know, write a little brief. This is where I got it from. Um, <laughs> it felt so tedious and laborious. And what I realized uh, in my master's program uh, as a as a historian, as a historian, we we were using we were using Chicago style, which is just a style of citation. But the point is, I got to use one style, and so I got to learn that style and become familiar with that style. And that was the only style I was using. Whereas in undergrad, I hated it because every professor in every subject required whatever style they liked or whatever style which I learned later was more traditional for that subject like I didn't even know until mas the master's level that um until the master's program that different citation styles are for different disciplines so that said when I when I just got one citation style and I could fuck with it it was just and that was cool to me and just remind me I love citing people I love I love learning that scholarship that that essays can put you in conversation with people living and dead and that you can bring their work forward it was so clear to me that like we have to cite each other we have to share each other's names we have to say each other's names we have to bring in each other's voices everyone's voices the voices that we that we're not even in tune that we're not even that we have not even been taught to listen for we must we must say their names we must um do that in general but also because that's what was done for me that's what was done for us that's how I can find more that's how I can find more information that's how I can learn that there were things that were always said that's how I can see that there were ideas and solutions that have already been crafted and articulated because somebody cited this person and this is where they got this idea and that oh a work cited page is like a treasure trove um so yeah that's me nerding out a little bit and I guess the epiphany <laughs> which was began all of this was just um 
Yeah, I was going to say it was maybe maybe my my academic my my, my education or experience that taught me to love citing black women and I'm like nah I mean that might have been a formal setting where I remembered how important it was but uh, you gotta remember we came before all this shit and part of the reason we can remember that is because of the griots is because of the storytellers is because of the family archivists who cite who who call people's names who say what they said, who who share and keep the history and bring it forward. That is indigenous. The academy didn't the academy didn't make up shit. The institution didn't do shit. America ain't do shit but steal. Steal shit and sell it back to us and make us feel like we have an epiphanies about shit that our great 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 grandparents was like, duh nigga. Duh. So yeah, I think that's a long and short to say. Yeah, I have I have released. I'm probably going to still continue to move in and out of cycles of rage throughout this program and just throughout this life. But I'm at a much calmer and clearer and joyful and grateful. Ooh, I'm so grateful space now where I'm like, but all the black people that poured into me, all the, all the black and indigenous people that have poured into me so that I know things and I'm here at 31 like who the fuck are y'all not knowing what I know like (laughs) you know like and what if any of them has said that what if any of them has said you know what I'm sick and tired that nobody knows Fannie Lou Hamer said I'm sick and tired and so I won't tell another soul and fuck all these niggas or like or the idea that it doesn't do any good because you know even at this point I I don't yeah because because Alexis sister Dr. Alexis is a a human being so certainly at this point she could feel like damn you know is my work in vain I've been I've been preaching I've been preaching the gospel of Octavia Butler and all these other black feminist luminaries for over a decade now. And look where we are. She, you know, she could, she could take that approach, but that would, that would be such a falsehood. And, and, um, a small view of all, of all, of all of us that she has made possible through her work. And the same with Dr. Consuela Francis, the same with all my professors and guides, both formal and informal, all of my teachers, all of my mentors, all of my elders, all of my sisters, all of my siblings who was like, let me share this wisdom. This is how we get free. Who said, Let, let's look at it this way. We'll look at this. We'll look what this person said. Well, let's think about this. How about you consider this? What would it look like if we loved ourselves? What would we look like if we knew that we have always loved each other? Children, pass it on. And so my commitment to our freedom, the truth that I know, that when black women are free, everybody is free. I feel like this should go without saying, but that means when black trans women are free, 
everybody is free <laughs> because our freedom necessitates the destruction of all forms of oppression that is my commitment my commitment is to our freedom to our wellness to our our affirmation to our to our remembering that we have always loved each other children pass it on and so what will it look like for us to love each other and ourselves and then like just all the new black preachers black female preachers that's just shutting shit down and just giving us the wisdom that we need to pull through so shout out to dana the people's oracle because she was breaking down ephesians I want to say chapter 6 verse 11 through 20 and putting on the full armor of God and I'm not going to get the whole verse right but she basically defined principalities as un, un unaddressed trauma and how that unaddressed trauma is not our fault but is our responsibility to heal and that that unaddressed trauma it's choosing our partners for us. It's choosing our jobs for us. It's choosing how we respond and react in situations where we are in danger or we are not. That unaddressed trauma allows us does uh, doesn't allow us to see when we are safe and when we are not. And um, yeah, man, that's the fucking work. Because as you learn in any toxic uh, toxic or violent um, abusive relationship in this you know whether it's romantic whether it's familial whether it's platonic what you ultimately learn hopefully um, and in part and in part what allows you to do that is somebody bearing witness but what you ultimately learn is there's nothing that you can do to make someone else change their behavior There's nothing I can do. There's no way I can bend myself. There's no way I can cut myself and allow myself to bleed and suffer. There's no way I can contort myself and make myself stand, quote unquote, upright in this rigid room that would make those who believe that patriarchy is true, believe that capitalism is true, believe that Western supremacy is true, believe that white supremacy is true. There's, there's nothing that that belief is not about me. That belief is about a pathological insecurity. And there's a lot of work that I must do to navigate and shake off all of the projections of those systems and those who perpetuate those systems, their internalized insecurity that they have projected onto me, you know? But that is my that is my work to do to unpack that, because when I know I'm the shit, when I know I deserve, when I know that I'm enough already, everything changes anyhow. When I know that I'm enough already, that's in part because of the community that I'm accountable to. That's in part because of the people who love me and held me and have held me when I didn't believe and when I might forget again that I'm not enough. That is part because of the creator, because of my ancestors, because of the divine, because of the spirit, because of the prayers, because of the spells, because of the root work that has kept me and sustained me. And when I know that I am enough already, 
not because of what I can do, not because of what I can produce, not because of how smart I am or what I know or how I look or who I love or where I live or what I drive or what I wear or if I have access to therapy or not. If I'm just enough already, if I'm just enough already, then why would I compete with anyone? And if I'm just enough already, then why would I do something that made me feel bad to prove to somebody that I'm enough? If I'm enough already, then I'm probably going to be doing shit I like to do. I'm probably going to be doing the shit that's important to me. The shit that is important to me is the people that I love. The shit that's important to me is my pleasure, is my wellness. The shit that is important to me is the liberation of black people. The shit that's important to me is the dismantling of all forms of oppression. The shit that is important to me is indigenous sovereignty. The shit that's important to me is land back. The shit that's important to me is right relationship with the planet that we live on. Right relationship with all our natural resources. Right relationship with all of our magic. Right relationship with the many kinds of power that Audre Lorde spoke very clearly about. That's what's important to me. And if I know I'm enough already, then I can focus all my energy on that, on, on, on all the different practices of love. Since we come from a t- tradition where we have always loved each other, children, pass it on. So what does that shit look like now? That's important to me. My love of black people, of indigenous people, of, of nature, of water, <laughs> my love of wellness and healing, my love of joy, of pleasure, of community, of accountability, of accountability I love some fucking accountability um that's just important to me wellness is important to me access to the resources that all human beings need that already exist on the planet are important to me healing our trauma unlearning the lies we have internalized so we all know that we're already enough that we require no one's subjugation to be enough that we require no contortions that we don't require cognitive dissonance to believe that we are enough that's what's important to me that we share the information that has already been laid that we reveal and make visible the grids that have already been laid for us on purpose for right now that's important to me that's important to me So, yes, long and short of it, sight black women, sight indigenous and uh, black people, center the margins. If you are not centering trans and non-binary people, if you are not centering disabled people, if you are not centering poor people, you are not, you haven't unpacked enough you and, and and not not like you're I mean it's life or death but um I I implore you I implore you to to imagine what it would really look like if we are all free if our freedom does not require the subjugation of another I implore you to begin to imagine why you believe somewhere inside of you that there are people who are somehow less deserving of access to water less deserving of access to food 
of of housing, of shelter. There are people less deserving of health care. There are people that are less deserving of education. There are people that are less deserving of living with the people or persons who they love. There are people who are less deserving of making decisions with about their bodies. That there are people that are less deserving of being called who they say they are. I implore you to start to ask yourself those questions, not so you can go on a, a you know, a shit show like, well, damn, I guess I ain't shit. And I'm saying that from experience. I'm like, and because, you know, you know, if you know, if you've ever been around a person with privilege and you're trying to make some or bring some awareness and they go straight to to all the guilt and shame. And so it's like, you know, it's not about that. It's about. um, Do we want to be free or not? I know I do. I know the land do. I know, I know, I know my people do. I know my niggas do. I know the people. I be sending voice messages back and forth too. I know the people who like check in and make sure that I don't die and that I'm not dead. I I know we are committed to that, and that is my affirmation that that we are free. I think who is it that said nobody's free until everybody's free. Um, I just know Alexis said that until is a portal. So nobody's free until everybody's free. Until is that portal. So here we are. The year of our Lord with an E twenty twenty one. And I am affirming our wellness and our freedom. So this segment and this podcast is all subject to change like life is regularly subject to change which is to say you know it may not it may not stay the same but I've been thinking about a particular segment called purple and green and it is sort of not even just a play on but it references the Alice Walker quote from the color purple I think it pisses God off if you walk by the color purple in a field somewhere and don't notice it. People think pleasing God is all God cares about, but any fool living in the world can see it always trying to please us back. And so I definitely feel like just personal gratitude and love when I'm riding through the country, when I'm riding through anywhere, when I'm walking through the streets and I see purple flowers. And generally, you know, if you see purple in a field, you also see green because, um, the stems and the leaves of whatever flower, whatever plant are green. But even beyond just flowers, you see the color combination purple and green in like vegetables. And so my mother, um, she is very well known for painting collard greens. And um, also just living in South Carolina, living in the rural South most of my life, and particularly the last couple of years in Georgetown, Um, we have received a lot of like vegetables that grow out the ground. We didn't necessarily grow them ourselves, but there have been black people in the community who uh, share their harvest with us. And both collard greens and cabbage that are grown out of the ground, they be having purple in it. And um, it's just so glorious and beautiful to see. It is, again, um, 
just a moment of gratitude for me of joy like oh look at this beauty look at this beauty that I can just observe and uh, feel is a reflection of myself and the love that I sometimes feel for myself or want to feel for myself um but yeah a belief like uh Alice Walker said that obviously yeah obviously it is always trying to please us back and even as I'm saying it now I'm thinking about all the times I say nothing in this world validates me nothing in this world affirms me nothing about this world says that I'm worth something and um and then I would have to ask myself well what am I looking at like like Alexis Pauline Gum says what are you who are you listening to what are you looking at I think Toni Morrison makes that reference as well invisible to whom (laughs) and um clearly the creator of all things clearly the ancestors the spirits clearly mother nature clearly the sun and the stars and the moon clearly the air and the water Um, and living things affirm my living affirm my change affirm my evolution affirm my growth affirm my beauty affirm the love that everything actually comes from affirm like Octavia Butler says that God has changed and um, everything we touch we change and everything we touch changes us that is all affirmed when I look outside, when I shift my focus from this white supremacist, patriarchal capitalist system that we have been um, brought into and indoctrinated into perpetuating and, and evolving and suffering under and unable to articulate our suffering. When I shift out of that gaze, I'm like, oh shit, I'm so loved. I'm so loved. So yeah, this is the purple and green segment and we will see if um, I keep it up. But in the uh, earlier part of the episode, I talked about my love of citing black women, of citing black people, of citing and bringing forth and naming the people who have poured into me and um, how that is a that is a that is a community practice. That is a black and indigenous practice. That is not something specific or unique or original to the academy and to be quite honest which I'm sure I'll talk about um in in other episodes the academy don't even cite people for real (laughs) they don't even cite people for real uh the research methods are faulty I don't know how it's acceptable to ignore the shit that they ignore and erase the shit that they erase and still be published but anyway that's neither here nor there this is actually the purple and green segment so I wanted to shout out um just all the various platforms, particularly podcasts or websites uh, created by black people that have just poured into me, that have shaped my analysis, that have helped mold, um, have helped mold me and um, educated me and taught me different ways to see myself, different ways to engage this violent world that we are living in, that we are trying to survive, giving me different tools Um, to do so and just provide a community provided so much community that is actually life-giving and generating and affirming and validating in ways again the academy in particular and just white supremacist patriarchal capitalist systems cannot they can't afford to they can't afford to share information and share insight and be forever students and be forever teachers and remove ideas of hierarchy. If they were to do so, they would cease to exist. So I want to lift up all the people doing the work that really, honestly, truly um, 
yeah, puts pressure on these systems, puts pressure on these systems. And so even in that regard, I want to start with um, my homegirl, Maya Fowler, who is my real life uh, sister, friend, homie, someone who is a part of the reason that I'm still alive. She has a website called Somatic Excavations, where she is exploring the soma and just the lessons that our bodies teach us. Um, she's also a West African dancer and just a brilliant scholar and um, human being and educator and spiritualist. And so, yes, yeah, somatic excavations is where she talks about her um, developing theory about the inner current, our own inner currents, what we have inside of us, who we are. There are unique imprints and um, the larger current, the larger current, which is the universe, which is God, which is which is all there is and how um we can tap into our inner currents. We can listen to ourselves. We can listen to, to our hearts, to our minds, to our bodies, to all the unique encodings that make us who we are. And um, we can align with that and we can amplify. And what is the word? Not, not, pro, not simply project, but like externalize. We can externalize our inner current. And in doing so, we are in alignment with the, the current, big C current. And um, the universe and all there is that is always flowing, ever changing, um, ever evolving. And that in doing so, in, in tapping into our inner currents, who we are, sitting with who we are, finding out all the codes that make us who we are, it simply puts pressure on the systems. The systems that would have us separated from our inner current and separated from the greater current. It puts pressure on these these systems of oppression, these systems of indoctrination, when we actually tap in to who we are, to what we know, to how we know it, and all the ways we know it. Um, I am not that, I'm not really well versed in somatics at all, but in talking with my, uh, it's just such an amazing gift to know that not only is everything I know and how I know it validated by my family, validated by my ancestors, validated by my loving community, validated by the creator, validated by nature and life and spirit. It is actually also validated by my body, by this physical body that I'm in. There is deep, deep knowing inside this physical body. And then, of course, again, these systems of oppression would seek to separate us from from all our wisdom, Every single one, including the wisdom that is in our body. So, yes, um, check out Somatic Excavations, the work of Maya Fowler. And then the rest of these are not going to be in any particular order, but I am going to talk a little bit about how I found all of them, all of these other platforms, because I really feel like, again, it's another... It's just more evidence of actual community, of actually sharing the burden of survival, of actually sharing what we know and how we know it and validating one another. That community is a verb, that love is a verb, that we must say one another's names. So to start, of course, there is Tea with Queen and Jay. They are two womenist race nerds talking liberation, politics and pop culture over tea. Dismantling White Supremacist Patriarchal Capitalism, one episode at a time. And that podcast is hosted by Queen and Jay. Jay, period. And Jay is not a fucking lady. Do not call her that. Um, another podcast that I love is Inner Ho Uprising. It is a smart and funny podcast about sex, love, and dating from four black feminist 20-somethings living in New York City that is hosted by the brilliant Sam, Rob, Akua, and Rebecca. 
And there is a spiritual homegirl podcast, and that is about bettering self and spirit from a homegirl perspective. Somebody going through the journey day by day, just like you, that is hosted by Maria. Um, Another podcast I love is Queer Walk Podcast, two black queer troublemakers, Dr. Money and Nikita. Queer Walk Podcast, or Queer Woman of Color Podcast, is a bi-weekly insurgent audio syllabus that unites, ignites, and excites the queer woman of color community. The next one is Marsha's Plate Podcast, and this is a lively podcast where three friends come together every Thursday to share opinions and perspectives through a Black trans lens. It's hosted by Diamond Styles, Mia Mix, and Z. The next one is Bag Ladies Podcast, and it is about baggage, yours, mine, and ours. Their goal is to help themselves and listeners by pushing themselves to be vulnerable about the way the world affects them and their ability to live their truest, most authentic lives. This is hosted by Lena and Estefanie, who are both Dominican Afro-Latinx. The next one is the Trap Therapist Podcast, and it is Transparency and Transformation in the Trap culturally and and culturally inspired insight and advice remixed with live conversations and counseling sessions recorded by holistic counselor and trap therapist Afu Okasan. The next one is Vag Esteem and this is hosted by Vanessa who defines Vag Esteem as the concept by which one builds the confidence of in their vulva and vagina. This confidence leads to a healthy and satisfying sex life. It is a workshop series and podcast that teaches folks with vaginas how to have good and healthy sex through courageous conversations. Also, the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast, hosted by sexuality doula Evian Whitney. The Sexually Liberated Woman podcast highlights, highlights, celebrates, and encourages the sexually liberated woman, not just the idea of her, but her true blue erotic empowerment in the flesh. The next one is How to Survive the End of the World podcast hosted by the Brown sisters, Amber Brown and Adrienne Marie Brown. And this is a podcast where they are learning from the apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. Another podcast, which is no longer active, I'm not sure if you can still find it, is um, Thick Roots podcast, which later became We See You, Sis. But you can find former co-host Sydney on Instagram under Harriet's Gun, which is uh, where she says in the bio, liberation, like the birthing process, is long and completely worth the process. Harriet's Gun is a photo journal and liberation syllabus. Also, A Little Juju podcast, a podcast dedicated to Black-ass spirituality and community hosted by Juju Bay, who is an advocate for Black, Brown, and Indigenous folks returning to our ancestral ways of living, thriving, and being in community through herbs with spirit and gathered together. This is not a podcast, but the People's Oracle, who I mentioned a few times earlier in the episode, is a Dana Lynn Knuckles. She is the sidereal astrologer who teaches divination for liberation. You can check out her website, The People's Oracle, and she's also on Instagram and all all the platforms spitting that good shit. Um, She also has books and just incredible episodes. 
um, on YouTube, on Instagram, I think on Clubhouse, everywhere. She's giving us all the business. Um, In Those Genes podcast, which is a hip hop inspired podcast that uses genetics to uncover the lost identities of African descended Americans through the lens of black culture. Also, Natoya Hall. This is not a podcast. Natoya Hall is a starseed, a channeler, a seer, a light worker. I've been following her platform on YouTube and Instagram for um, a few years. And she recently launched her Mother of Starkeeping Mystery School. You can find a lot of her work, like I said, on Instagram and YouTube. And from her, I've learned so much about divine feminine, the divine masculine, which she's been speaking about for the last few years as coming back online, um, 2021, 2022, and just also um, ascension and healing and light language and integrating all of our lessons um, and healing mother wounds. She talked a lot about healing, not healing, but ending a 13-year cycle that last year, 2020, for what many of us felt like was just the wildest shit ever that uh, some 13 year cycles were closing down. And so, yeah, I just am greatly appreciative to her for all of her teaching and um, mothering and showing up and her purpose. And so that was super fun just to shout them all out. But like I said, I just wanted to say quickly how I even encountered all of them. And so I was going back and forth, like, what is the first independent podcast that I actually listen to? Because, you know, some of the um, the ones that are not independent, the, the large podcasts that we that we all sort of hear and listen to regularly and that have been out for a while. Um, I think I started listening to independent podcasts. Yeah, probably around 20. 16, 2017, when I was moved, when I moved to Atlanta. But I want to say that maybe the only one that I can't really remember how I found is the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. I think that actually just came from me Googling shit and like wanting to be a sexually liberated woman. And so I found her, started listening to that work. And then she shared an episode, an interview episode she did with Tea with Queen and Jay on her platform. That is how I was introduced to Queen and Jay. And really quickly, like I often have to remind I don't have to remind myself. I'd be knowing. But I guess like my sense that my insecurities around always thinking that I'm the last to know something. And so if I know it, everybody else must have known it already. And that's generally how I move through the world. Like, obviously, since I'm just finding out, everyone has already got it. And that's honestly rarely the case. All that to say, the reason that I talk about white supremacist, patriarchal capitalism so casually all the time and... um and regularly just imagining a world where it does not exist or regularly uh, interrogating my own shit so that I'm dismantling these systems in my own life. That is because of Queen and Jay. That is because they really do that shit every week and they really look at things through these brilliant lenses, lenses through their own embodiment and subjectivities and research and community. Um, just really brilliant shit. So Queen and Jay, if I remember correctly, applied for applied to present um, a panel at South by Southwest and they shared the application with other people in their podcasting community. They were not accepted. Their proposal was not accepted, but QueerWalk's proposal was accepted and QueerWalk podcast invited 
tea with Queen and Jay to come present with them at South by Southwest. And so I really remember that episode where they talked about that, like if they had just, if, if Queen and Jay had just kept the application to themselves, they wouldn't have gone at all if they had been like stingy with it, if they had been like, let's keep this opportunity and hope we get there. And they didn't do that. They shared it because they are community, because they believe in community. And then they had the opportunity to go um, not a, not even just alone, but with their friends. And so that is how I was introduced to Queer Walk podcast. They did crossover episodes at South by Southwest that year. I think that was probably 2020, 2017. And um, at that panel at South by Southwest, where Queer Walk, Nikita and Money featured Jay and Queen and a few other brilliant black women Queer Walk podcast. They have a Queer Walk of the Week um, every episode or a queer person, a queer person of color of the week. And that on that panel at South by Southwest, their Queer Walk of the Week was Diamond Styles, host of, or co-host of Marsha's Play podcast. And that is how I was introduced to Marsha's Play podcast. And they shouted out Diamond, who was in the audience. I think South by Southwest is in Texas, Diamond. Um, Z and Mia are based in Texas and they shouted out how Diamond was so brilliant and this is the first time they've shouted out a queer woman of color who was actually in the same space with them as opposed to just on the podcast and how Diamond is so talented and she sings her own theme song and so that is how I was introduced to Marsha's Play and just really quickly Marsha's Play taught me so much about the importance of censoring the margins what it really means to censor the voices the experiences the truths of those who are more marginalized than you so that you can really see what the fuck is going on so you can see all the things that we're missing um because some of our identities are more privileged in this society than others and when i say that i mean like our individual some of our individual subjectivities like myself as a as a cis woman are privileged in this society even if i it's, i'm not privileged as a black person i'm not privileged as a queer person i'm not privileged as a disabled person um my my reality as a cis person means there are all these things that i don't see that i that i take for granted and listening to um diamond z and mia regularly one they're just everything they're funny they're gorgeous they are loving they are learning in real time they are sharing what they know they are thoughtful they're committed to like just the wellness just the wellness and making shit plain and creating new realities and so I love that and they also just like when you center the margins you just see shit you feel shit you understand shit that you wouldn't have it's almost like when you center the margins you can see the fucking future you have a clear you have a clear understanding of actually every timeline, not just the fucking future, the past and the present. It's like, oh, all the shit I had no idea about. And it's whack that I don't know about it. And there's these reasons I don't know about it. But it's my responsibility to know about it if I'm committed to the liberation of all people. And so, yeah, um, Tea with Queen and Jay also introduced me to other podcasts in the Baddie Brigade, which is their podcast community. I believe that that is also how I heard of Inner Ho Uprising. Shout out to Inner Ho Uprising in particular for their Polygamy series back in May of 2018, where they talked about polyamory and non-monogamy from the perspectives of like black queer femmes, black queer, black queer folk. Um, in particular and um yeah just blew my mind just opened me up to all kind of shit like I had no idea I feel like 
particularly before now, or I guess they, they are who introduced me to other people having conversations about ethical non-monogamy that weren't just like the whack, ashy, we come from people, from men who have 17 wives, whatever the fuck. Because the real truth is patriarchy is unethical. But anyhow, Tea with Queen and Jay also introduced me to bag ladies and both Lena and Stephanie are also brilliant, hilarious and funny and about community. And again, just exposed me to intersections that I would not be aware of, um, things that I would not see, black experiences that um, are nuanced and necessary, uh, again, for the reality that we are all in community and that we are all sharing the burden of survival, as Dana says, and that we are all um, recognizing all the brilliance and nuance that we bring to the table. So yes, all of those um, are folks that uh, Tea with Queen and Jay introduced me to particularly. Um, Spiritual Homegirl podcast, I actually found her because in 20. 16 I had moved to Atlanta this is kind of she was based out of Atlanta she's from Atlanta was based out of Atlanta at the time my mom was on the shade room it was terrifying I had no idea why (laughs) my mom was mentioned on the shade room and so I had a lot of anxiety before I went to look at the post and I think it was just somebody who had written something nice about my mother's art but you know if you find out somebody you love on the shade room you're probably concerned Anyway, I just saw her, I think Maria, spiritual homegirl, commented on that post. And I was like, what a cool name. And then I found out she lived in Atlanta. And that is how we connected. Both she, excuse me, both my mom and I have have done interview episodes with Maria. And she's just like a dope, a dope ass person in real life, really doing, um, like she says, bettering self and spirit from, from her from her black ass, black ass Atlanta perspective, from her embodiment. And it's just a gift. Um, And Maria, spiritual homegirl, shared the Trap Therapy for Black Men, the Trap Therapist podcast on Instagram. And so that is how I found that podcast. And Afu, uh, Afu Okasun is also based in Atlanta, from Atlanta, like a black ass Atlanta embodiment. And what I very much appreciated about that, that's the only uh, black cishet man I have on this list. But what I really like basic, basic when I when I listen to his podcast, when I follow his accounts on social media, when I engage with him, I dead ass remember that black men are not white people. And that's like the cleanest I can say it like. Oh, yeah, we're actually all in this together. And when we can actively take take accountability for our shit, actively engage these systems that have harmed us all and that, again, have given some of us like these physical 3D privileges that others don't have. And with these privileges, we can actually harm people when you can acknowledge that and take accountability for your choices and then recognize that we are having many a shared experience. That is um, that is how I feel about about his work and trap therapy for black men. I'm like, oh, we really might all be okay. We might, we might all be okay. And what a blessing, what a blessing that will be if we're, if we all do our work um, and we can all see each other and ourselves. So yeah, that is how I found them. I believe, I feel like I was following Vagisteam before, but I do know that Queen co-host of Tea with Queen and Jay has another platform, Miss Vixen Magazine. And she does many a collaboration with Vagisteam.
I want to say that how I found how to survive the end of the world is because some days I just wake up and I Google <laughs> Alexis Polingum's name and just see what she's saying and where she is and what she's talking about and what she's sharing with the world. And I actually think that that's how I found her episode of how to survive the end of the world. And um, yeah, then just started listening to the Brown sisters and they're brilliant in all those episodes. Again, like pro- prophetic, um, just grounded. Like, what are we going to do? We've lived through apocalypse before. How are we going to engage this moment now? Who can we look to? What can we commit to? What can we think about differently? Um, in the People's Oracle, Dana Dana Knuckles, I actually found her because she did an episode. She did an interview on a Little Juju podcast. And um, a Little Juju podcast was introduced to me by Money of Queer Walk. Uh, just like all of these podcasts, I continue to learn a lot from uh, Juju Bay and a little Juju podcast. I was telling J.T. Perry, another brilliant uh, scholar, pastor, the churchy mystic, um, spiritualist. She invited me on her Patreon to talk to her community of e-cousins last year about hoodoo, Afrofuturism, time travel as healing praxis. And when she asked me, when Jade asked me about um, overlaps that I saw between hoodoo and Afrofuturism, I shared with her that it was definitely, and it is definitely Juju Bay, who I attribute to really teaching reintroducing me, reminding me, affirming me, um, affirming the presence of hoodoo in my life and um, the everyday powerful ass magic that is really our shit, that is our our black American shit um, and that it connects us to the African diaspora, to Africa, to other African traditional religions, to Africana people and Definitely. Yeah, that podcast teaches me so much, but in particular as it relates to hoodoo and my ideas around blackness and being black in America and, and the polylithicness of that experience, but also the uh, the reality of our magic, because they're, they're, you know, we internalize anti-blackness, we internalize anti-black Americanness. And um, what that podcast affirms for me is just everything about who we are and what we do that has been that we've been taught and conditioned to think of as mundane or insignificant or um you know backwards and it's like it's all our shit and it's magic because black people are magic and as uh, jade pointed out hoodoo just like afrofuturism um is and can be very pragmatic it is every day it is it's about practical use so yeah shout out to both of them as well So in those jeans, in those jeans podcast, um, which is really, really brilliant. I loved there was one episode in particular that just blew my mind. It just basically disputed these narratives about interracial relationships during and post interracial quote unquote relationships during and post slavery were like. All this genetic evidence that was like, nah, it's not it's not what they told us that it is. And you can look at it and see right here that this is actually what was going on. And this is why. And just brilliant. A lot of the, uh, all the episodes are brilliant. And Sam, um, co-host of Inner Hole Uprising, I want to say is 
the audio engineer or the producer in those jeans. I'm sorry, Sam, if I misquoted your position, but plays a large role in the production of in those jeans. So that is, of course, how I heard of that podcast. And I think T with Queen and Jay shared an episode of in those jeans on their podcast. And so, yeah, that is how that is a lot of how I know what I know how I how I got to be who I am there are certainly many other platforms and podcasts and books and spaces of understanding where I can regularly go and learn and feel loved and seen and affirmed and just have my have everything about me opened like helping me break down my shit so I can so I can arise anew and be more committed to this world where we are safe and and free and loved and well and um, are each other's harvest. And again, like Lucille Clifton said, we have always loved each other, children, pass it on. And if all of that is not evidence that, yes, we have absolutely always loved each other, children, pass that shit on. That's what that's what they do. That's what we do. And that is such a gift and an encouragement. And I hope that all of you listening will check out all of these incredible black people and pour into them as they are pouring into us with the obvious commitment to our wellness, to our freedom, to our liberation, to our pleasure, to our joy, to our community, to living in a world outside of these constraints and systems of oppression. What a gift for all of us. And then again, just another like, I don't miss opportunities to talk shit about the academy, to be honest. But um, even before I applied, like I knew that education was not exclusive. I know the academy is exclusive, but education is not. Learning is not. And you really got to question a society that feels like education shouldn't be for everyone. Since it is exclusive, it is elitist, it costs zillions and trillions of dollars. There are trillion, literally trillions of dollars in this country to be moved around. They moved that shit around last year during year one of the global airborne pandemic that we're still fucking in. Um, trillions of dollars to be moved around for what the fuck they want. And um, again, we don't, our society doesn't think that everyone should learn. Our society doesn't think that everybody can be a teacher, that everybody can be a student, that we all have something to offer one another. And that's shit worth questioning. Again, not that everybody should be in the academy. Dead ass. All the academy does is steal and exploit. But that we should all be actively engaging information, that we should all be actively listening to one another, that we should all be integrating the lessons that we learn, taking what works and leaving what doesn't, asking ourselves important questions so that we can do the work of um, healing our principalities that Dana, Dana Knuckles talks about, healing our unaddressed traumas, the, the traumas inside of ourselves. That that is work that people who are committed to wellness do. And America is not committed to wellness. And I would love <laughs> if we could all just agree on that and then all commit to the other shit. Thank you so much for making it to the end and listening to the first episode of Working Our Roots podcast. I had a great time uh, with the nonlinear recording, listening back to editing, and then 
just doing the research and thinking about all the brilliant black people who, um, like I said, have made me possible. So I hope that you enjoyed. I hope you will join me on this journey and come back for more. If you are interested in following along and supporting my work, I am on Instagram at Sarah McKeeva. My website is sarahmckeeva.com. If you are interested in supporting me financially, I have a Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com slash And this is a site where you can uh, make monthly donations um, at whatever amount you are interested in. I have some tiers suggested, but uh, it is a space to support the ancestrally driven Sankofa shadow work of channeling, creating, archiving, and sharing liberatory frameworks which is uh, what my ancestors told me to do. You can also uh, do a less committed uh, financial donation to my cash app. That is at dollar sign Sarah Days. And I greatly appreciate you pouring into me. I am really grateful for this community and uh, just tapping into and being, believing in the spirit and flow of abundance because that is also the real shit. That's the shit that makes sense and the rest of this shit does not i will um, be including all of the information that i just mentioned as well as the information and um, websites and uh, instagram handles for all the brilliant black people who i cited on this episode so i hope you uh i hope you enjoy i hope you come back sending love and peace and blessings and healing and abundance and joy and affirmations for um yeah us knowing who we are that we came before this shit, that we will we will exist after that shit, and that we have been affirmed. Uh, our freedom is affirmed. Our freedom is affirmed, and we have always loved each other, children. Pass it on. look deeper as Fannie Lou Hamer says getting to the root radically we shift our gaze and our lens from the south and more specifically South Carolina being this wealthy red state South Carolina being the birthplace of the Confederacy, South Carolina fighting um, to maintain their right to build their wealth on people's backs, South Carolina who built its wealth on genocide and exploitation. Uh, when we look deeper <clears throat> from where we are the ones who built the wealth, with our bodies, with our brilliance, when we look deeper at who we are and what we come from, when we look using an Afrogenic lens, say, <clears throat> to interpret our behaviors and the ways that our minds work and the ways that 
we make understanding the ways that we communicate none of which are monolithic if we look at that our relationship with nature and land and spirit and there being no distinction between all of the above and ourselves if we look at that ritual and accountability to community if we look at that we see something different when we look at ourselves we see our expression and our language and the way our bodies move we see using our hands and our minds and adapting to a climate while evolving our ways of knowing we see our survivability and our desire for freedom and the subjective and objective meanings of the word for all of us We see passion, we see love, we see resistance, we see affirmation. We see a relationship to the land. We see a relationship to spirit, to what is considered supernatural over here. What is considered all it is and who we are. South Carolina is a portal the South is a portal. We need only to look at and then look deeper and then look deeper to know that the spirits inhabit wherever we inhabit that we have inner knowing and guidance and a connection to a larger and grander spirit that is in us, that calls us to our freedom always. That resistance looks like more than physical dominance. It looks like more than physically running away. It looks like telling yourself who you are. It looks like singing a song that your grandmother sang to you on another continent before you were kidnapped and enslaved and bound and taken under a ship and singing that song to your children so that they sing that song today. That is seeing the basket weaving and knowing that we don't have to make things beautiful, and we do. That this practice that we have been doing, that we carried inside this knowing that we perpetuate and evolve 
and influence and adapt to our surroundings and we remember ourselves whole. As a student of black feminism and womanism, it's here that I return. Said my subjectivities matter and other things and the ways that I see the world through my unique lenses, through all of the parts of me that make me me. That pre-exists a societal structure that would say otherwise. I know that my aspiration into this field comes with responsibility and excitement as both Sheila Walker discussed the role of the black scholar in the Combahee River Collective and Patricia Collins Maladoma Salmaze does portals and gatekeepers knowing that I am a daughter of the south of South Carolina and of West Africa how might I see it and how might you